Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord on this Easter Sunday. And uh, I'm glad that we serve a living Savior and a living God. I've traveled in 68 countries of the world, and there's a lot of idolatry. And the psalmist describes idols. They have eyes, and they do not see. Ears, and they do not hear. Hands, they do not touch. Mouths, and they do not speak. But I'm glad that my God is the living God. He has a mouth, and he can speak. Eyes, and he can see. Hands, and he can touch. Muhammad, Muhammad died and he's still buried. Buddha died and he's still buried. Confucius died and he's still buried. Joseph Smith died and he's still buried. Jesus died, <laughs> but he's not buried. Hallelujah. He's alive. So because of his life, you know what life you, we have in, in our experience with God. And, you know, I've heard people talk about a dead church. Well, you're in a living church today because we have a living relationship with the living God. What a joy to be in Oconomowoc. I'm so glad that Brother Kylie has been so faithful here through all the years and so many faithful members of this church. I think Friday night was my 90th time in this pulpit. And so this is my 91st, I guess. But, but, but some of you have been here every time I've been here. And that says so much about your love for God. And it's my desire that, I, that the word of the Lord speak to you today. So let's open our Bibles while we stand for one more moment. And turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. If the Bible says it, I believe it. I've seen people get mad at the Bible. I've gone to talk to them in the, in the pew, and I've seen, I've, you know, body language speaks a lot, you know, and I've seen them kind of clench their fists. I remember one individual, he just got angry. His veins stuck out in his neck, and he slammed the Bible shut and stomped out the door and slammed the door, and you could hear him squeal his tires. On the pavement. I thought, wow, you know. But you know what? You can slam it shut, get mad, stomp out the door, squeal your tires. But when you come back and pick it up and read it again, it hasn't changed. It still says the same thing. So I realized a long time ago that it's really cheaper to obey the Bible than buy new tires, you know? <laughs> But you're in a Bible-believing church today. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We do not look at things which are seen, but we look at things which are not seen. And there's a very good reason for this. The things which are seen are temporal, temporary, short-lived, not forever. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And I want to ask everyone in this building today two questions. What are you looking at? And what do you see? What are you looking at? And what do you see? Let's pray and ask God to touch our eyes right now. Jesus, we ask God that you would have your way in the remaining portion of this service. God, that your word and your spirit would touch every heart and mind and life. God, in our priorities, Jesus, that we'd understand what you have done for us. God, you know the spiritual condition of every young man, woman, wife, husband, grandparents. God, for your glory and honor, we ask it. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this morning. Whenever I read 2 Corinthians 4.18, I realize you do not have to understand original Greek and original Hebrew to get something from the word of God. It says in verse 18, we do not look at things which are seen. The we in this verse of scripture are the saints at the church in Corinth. Individuals that have repented of sins. They've been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And they've received the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues. So Paul says, we the church, we the church do not look at things which are seen. But we, the church, look at things which are not seen. And then it gives the reason for this. Because the things which are seen are only temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And the individual that does not have a true relationship with Almighty God cannot grasp this principle because so many things in the Word of God in the kingdom of heaven are opposite to the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be first, you must become last. If you want to be chief, you must become servant. If you want to find your life, you must be willing to lose your life. And the world cannot grasp these principles. And then the top it all off, we don't even look at things which are seen. We look at things which are not seen. But the reason is, is because the things which are seen are only temporal. Now, if every one of us could have this one Bible truth in our heart before we leave this building today, it would be worth our while being here. The things which are seen are only temporary. I had a 1977 Ford LTD one time. I said, this car's gonna last me till Jesus comes. <laughs> now, I'm an evangelist. I maintain my cars. I change the oil every 3,000 miles. I rotate the tires every 6,000 miles. I mean, I live in my car. I, I, I mean, I gotta keep it going, you know? And I put over 200,000 miles on that Ford. All right, and then I got a 1985 Oldsmobile. Okay, and... Uh, I was preaching in Racine, Wisconsin. This car had 185,000 miles on it. I was preaching in Racine, Wisconsin, and uh, 
I'm in the hotel, and at 20 minutes to 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, the Racine police called me and said, do you have a white Oldsmobile? I said, yes, sir. They said, well, someone stole it last night, and we're pulling it out of the river down here, if you want to come down. And these kids put 33 miles on my car, smashed it in the trees and telephone poles. I went down there, the front end's in the river, the back wheels are sticking out, and I had some preaching tapes in that car. They should have been listening to those tapes, so they were destroying my car. Then I got a Toyota, and I put 257,000 miles on my Toyota. And I gave it to my daughter, and it now has 351,000 miles on it. I should have kept that car, you know? Really. Every time she goes in to get the oil change, my daughter says they stand in salute. <laughs> 351,000 miles. So now I have a Honda van, and I hope the Lord comes soon, because, because I really don't want to buy another car. But folks, drive by the junkyard sometime. Chevys, Buicks, Cadillacs, after a while they squeak, they rust, they burn oil, a rock hits the windshield and it cracks all the way across the bottom. It is only temporal. That house you live in is only temporal. Foundation settles, walls crack, roofs leak, windows break. The carpet wears out by the front door. The dining room chairs need to be re-glued. The, the cat scratches a great big run in the draperies. Someone spills strawberries on the couch and is forever stained. It's only temporal. A fire could burn it down in an hour and a gas explosion could take it away in a moment. It's only temporal. The greatest reminder that we have that the things you can see are only temporal is that when we get up in the morning and look in the mirror, we can see it, flesh. One time the complexion was smooth and unwrinkled and unblemished and there was a lot of hair there, you know? And the eyes could see so well and the ears could hear so well, but now we look in the mirror and there's aging spots, there's wrinkles, the hair turns thin, gets thin and turns gray, and the eyes cannot see as well, and the ears cannot hear as well. Do you know why? This flesh, you can see it, it is only temporal. But we are living in a world today that lives to and caters after the appetites of the flesh. But I want you to know what counts is not what you have in the flesh. What counts is what you have through the spirit of almighty God. Jesus preached my whole message in one sentence. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he loses his own soul? Heaven is eternal. Hell is eternal. Your soul is eternal. But what are you looking at and what do you see? Now, God called a man by the name of Abram, and he said, Abram, I want you to leave your country, say goodbye to your friends. Where am I going, God? I'm going to show you a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And the Bible says that he went out not even knowing where he was going. And Abram said, goodbye, friends, goodbye, world, goodbye, country. Where are you going, Abram? I'm not exactly sure, but God has spoken in my heart by faith, and now I'm looking for a city 
that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I like to be in apostolic services where because of the worship, because of the presence of God, because of the preaching, amen, people's vision is taken from the earthly to the heavenly, from the natural to the spiritual, from the temporal to the eternal. And you sit up there and now you get a glimpse of spiritual things and you step out of that pew and you come to this altar and you repent of sins and you are baptized in Jesus' name and you receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And when that happens, it's goodbye world. Sometimes it's goodbye certain friends. Sometimes it's goodbye certain lifestyles. I remember preaching a revival and a man came to the altar on Sunday night, repented, baptized, came up out of the water speaking with tongues and, and, and his job was driving a beer truck, delivering kegs of beer for Ham's Brewery all day. So he goes in Monday morning and gives his two-week notice. And the foreman said, come on, you're always going to have a job. People are always going to be drinking beer. The guy said, I can't do it. And the man says, the man says, well, well, what's happened to you anyway? And the man said, you know, he said, he said, he said, I'm not exactly sure, but he said, God has spoken to my heart by faith. And now I'm looking for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, and I can't deliver beer anymore. Because folks, what you see influences your life. Now let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in our Bibles. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. Hebrews 11, 24 says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Now the story of Moses is not a fairy tale. When he was just a little baby, his mother puts him in an ark of bulrushes. He goes floating down the river, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him, pulls him out of the water, and gives him the name of Moses. Through the hand of God, Moses' own natural mother comes and nurses him and rears him. She only had him for a few years, but every time she held that baby, she said, Moses, you are not an Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. You are not a son of this empire. You are a son of God. And Moses had the best of everything. He played hopscotch on marble floors, hide and seek behind palace pillars. He had his own stallion when he was 15, his own chariot when he was 18. Hey, Moses, all of the wealth of Egypt, all of it can be yours. But the, the day came when Moses stood before Pharaoh and he said, Pharaoh, I am not your daughter's son. I am not an Egyptian. Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. I'm not a son of this empire. I am a son of God. And the Bible says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. I read about the archaeologists that found King Tut's tomb, King Tut's treasure. You know, they searched for it for years. And when he when he pulled away these stones and realized what he had discovered, he, he actually fainted. He fainted. And they brought a little bit of King Tut's treasure to the United States to be viewed some years ago. But to think that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. But I want to ask all of us Christians here today, 
What reproach? What song did we sing? I am reproached. I am reproached every day that I live. I am reproached. No, we sing, I am blessed. Now, I've been raised in this. My father was an apostolic preacher. Boy, I remember when I was a little kid and we would have revival meetings, people would come by and throw eggs on the doors of the church. Come into the parking lot and honk their horn. BB, hallelujah, holy rollers. One time they put three dogs in the church. But the dogs had more sense than most adults. They came right down the aisle to the altar. Anyway. And the ushers came around, did them up. But do you know what? It's all the years I've been preaching here, no one's thrown eggs on their doors or called us holy rollers. What reproach? But I want you to know that from now on until Jesus comes, you just have reproach, scorn, and persecution because you want to live for God. I want you to know that the reproach of Christ is still better than anything that the world can offer you. The reproach of Christ is greater riches. And the Bible said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, in Wisconsin, winter is just a season, I think. Okay, all right. There's a spring season, there's a summer season, there's a fall season. The Green Bay Packers don't play football all year, just when it's the football season. And you men don't go hunting anytime you want, just when it's the hunting season. And as there's a winter season and a fishing season, the pleasures of sin are just for a short space of time. And listen, young people, adult, the devil lies to you. He lies to make you think you're going to give up everything when you come and give your heart to God and give your life to God and begin to serve God. No, and if anyone here is honest, Honest, you'll know that after a while, cigarettes lose their flavor, the booze gets bitter, the dance hall gets, gets dull, the sports get stale. Folks, everything loses its flavor after a while because the pleasures of sin are just for a short space of time. I remember coming home from a church service in St. Louis, Missouri some years ago. It was a Saturday night and we were going through downtown St. Louis. We stopped at a red light. I was in the pastor's car and in the car next to us, here comes a car with some young guys in it. You folks, they had, they had their open, open containers and, and the kid in the back had the window rolled down. He was passed out. Vomit was dripping down the side of the car and I wanted to roll down my window and say, hey buddy, where's the pleasure? Where's the pleasure of your alcohol right now? You ask the homosexual with AIDS, where's your pleasure of your abominable lifestyle right now? You ask the teenager with the illegitimate baby in her womb, where's the pleasure of your illicit sexual relationship right now? I'm here to tell you the pleasures of sin are just for a short space of time. But David said at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. What we have in this building is eternal. But what are you looking at and what do you see? Now, how can Moses do this? How can Moses say, I don't want the churches of Egypt. I don't want the empire. I want God. It tells us in verse 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt. Everything we do in this building is by faith, not fearing the wrath of the king. And he endured as seeing him who is what? 
invisible. What are you looking at, Moses? What do you see? He saw above the pyramids. He saw above the sphinxes. He saw above the palace. He saw him who is invisible, and he endured. Now, if you're going to make it to heaven, Jesus said, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, some people come in, they repent, they get baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and they come into this church, and all they see is the church building. Man, I like this church building. They, they, they plow the parking lot. There's a lot of parking spaces. And these chairs are just so comfortable. And they have the angle for the back at the right degree so you don't get a backache when the man preaches more than 10 minutes. You know, I mean, and I just, and it's comfortable and there's a lot of room. I like this church. Some people come in and get saved and all they see is the church building. And other people come in and get saved and all they see is the church family. Oh, the people in this church are so nice. If you have a flat tire, they help you change it. If you need a babysitter, they help give, get you one. If you need to ride to the grocery store, they're going to take you there. They are so nice. But you got to hang around a while. We are not all nice all the time. But most of us are nice most of the time. All right? Or other people come in and all they see is the personality in the pulpit. Boy, that brother Kyle, he could be, he's got gray hair. He could be a senator. Really? Man. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, you will never endure if all you see is the church building, if all you see is the church family, if all you see is a personality in the pulpit. You need to see above the pew. You need to see above the pulpit. You need to see above the steeple. You need to see him who is invisible. Hallelujah. And I'm going to see you in heaven someday. I know of so many people that used to be faithful to God, but they're not faithful now. Why? Well, the preacher's kid did this. The, the piano player did this, you know, and the Sunday school teacher did this. Listen, you're not serving Pastor Kylie. You're not serving me, folks. But listen, Pilate said, I find no fault in him at all. There's no fault in Jesus Christ. So don't withhold your faithfulness to God because of some individual. You got to see him who is invisible. Show me one backslider, one, and I'll show you a man who does not see so good. You got to see him who is invisible. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. See, these people of God could see something out there. And were persuaded by what they could see and embraced what they could see. And they confessed. They plainly stated that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Do you know where we are this morning? We are, we are, we are in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, earth. And do you know what? When you're really born again, you don't need a bumper sticker on your car or the gold cross hanging around your neck. When you're really born again, you're going to be strange to other men on the job that don't know God. You're going to be strange to members of your own family that don't know God. And do you know why? Because you see something. They do not see. And you're persuaded by it. And, amen, and you embrace it. And you confess, I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim here. I'm a pilgrim here. I remember when I assisted my father in Beloit, Wisconsin, we were, Sister Mackie and our daughter and myself, we were renting this tiny little two-bedroom home on this little dead-end street with a little cul-de-sac on the end. 
and there was 13 houses on the street and everybody knew each other. If you saw a dog running down the street, you knew which yard he belonged in. If you saw a kid running down the street, you knew which house he belonged in. So one summer, they got together and they're going to have a neighborhood barbecue and a neighborhood picnic. And they knocked on the door and they invited everybody to the picnic but the Mackeys. I like barbecues. I like watermelon and all beef hot dogs and T-bone steaks. Why didn't they invite us? I still wonder what they said. Don't invite those people. They are strange. How can anyone go to church so much and get home so late? Don't they care if their little girl gets any sleep? I mean, she's always modestly dressed. I mean, they are really strange. On the same night, the same Saturday, they had a, the picnic. We had a rally in Madison, Wisconsin. So the barbecues were going and the music was playing and we got in the car and going down the street and they're all pointing, there goes those strange people. And we're saying, God bless you folks. Folks, you're gonna be strange to people that don't know God. When I was working in the machine shop, you know, on, on our lunch hour, I was going to Apostolic Bible Institute. My foreman, Fred, was always reading the stock market page. And I was always reading my Bible. So one day Fred came to me and said, Mackie, how come you're always reading the Bible? So I thought I'd be like Jesus and answer a question by asking a question. I said, why are you always reading the stock market page? And he said, because I've got my investments here. And I said, yes. <laughs> and I got my investments right here. Hallelujah. And they don't drop 500 points in one day, really. I mean, who is Dow Jones? Is he an elevator operator or what? He's always going up or down. Folks, we're, we're strangers and pilgrims here because we see something afar off. Now, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota, but I remember the first time I preached in the deep south. Now, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin is not the deep south, right? <laughs> I'm talking about Wisner, Louisiana, Oakdale, Louisiana. I walked, the first, I walked into this little town in Louisiana and got some, bought some stamps, and the lady in the window said, y'all come back now, you hear? I said, ma'am, if I need any stamps, I'll be back, you know? You know, they talk a little bit sore. How y'all doing? I never even knew the word cattywampus existed till I preached in Louisiana. Really? Well... There was, a, there was some Canadians that traveled to the deep south for a church convention. Now, I have preached in six of the Canadian provinces. Now, Canadians have their own accent, too. They, they use long O's out and about. They, they use long A's like again and a little expression called A. You know, you can really sing A. That's a, that's a nice car, A. I don't know what happened to B or C, but it's, it's A. I had been preaching in British Columbia for three months, and now we're preaching in Seattle, Washington, and Sister Mackie and I are going home from church, and I said, that was a good service, eh? Now, folks, I don't talk that way. But it was, so, all, so five couples, 10 Canadians, go from Canada to the deep south. You know. And now you know how it is after church. We just have to go out and get something to eat. It's just Pentecostal to go eat. 
We're standing up, sitting down, clapping hands. No wonder we're hungry after church. Look at the exercise we get in here, you know? And so these 10 Canadians walk into this restaurant and the hostess says, how y'all doing? Good to have y'all here. And they're going out about again and a. And she's saying, who are these people? So they put all these tables together and these five pastors and their wives sat down, you know, and there was no ungodly conversation, you know, no, no alcohol, you know, and they bowed their heads and prayed and this hostess kept telling her waitresses, go over there and give those people some coffee and, and get them to talk. You got to listen to them talk out about again and hey. And so now it's time to pay the bill and this one pastor, they put all the tickets together and takes the money and he goes to the cash register and the waitress and the hostess runs over there and says who are you people where are you from and this Canadian preacher said we are not of this world <laughs> I want you to know folks when you come to this altar and repent of sins and are baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost we are now born from above hallelujah we are not of this world anymore hallelujah and we see something eternal Hallelujah. Verse 16 of Hebrews 11. But now they desire a better country. There's a better country than the U.S. of A. There's a better country than Austria, Switzerland. Now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. A city. Now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a lively hope. The word lively means breathing, pulsating. Folks, it's a, it's a lively hope. It's not a dead hope. It's, a, it's an alive hope. It's breathing. What? To an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Folks, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, folks, there's an inheritance for us. Amen, it's reserved in heaven. Folks, amen, it's not going to be defiled and it's not ever going to fade away. A lively hope reserved in heaven for you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and, and this was a line in, in one of the songs that the, that the choir sang. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Because, folks, death had to be defeated. Now, death is an enemy. And death never gets the flu. Death never takes a vacation. Death never slumbers or sleeps. People die in the morning, die at noon, die in the afternoon, die in the evening. Death is a rude enemy. It interrupts weddings. It interrupts Christmases. It interrupts Thanksgivings. 
It, it interrupts folks. It, uh, death is a cruel enemy. It takes a father from a family and a mother from children. It takes a grandfather from grandchildren. It takes a pastor from a church. Folks, I mean, death is a cruel enemy. It's a rude enemy. Amen. It's an, it's an international enemy. People in every country of the world die. Death had to be defeated. So when Jesus comes and they take a bloody corpse off the tree and they bury it, Folks, yeah, and no wonder, you know, the religious leaders are rejoicing. Yeah, he's dead. But folks, on that third day, when the earth shook and the stone rolled back and Jesus comes forth out of the tomb, alive now and forevermore, it's saying, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And because of he has conquered death, folks, we have a lively hope. A lively hope. Now, I don't have a whole lot of life insurance. I just turned 70 years old, and you know that the older you get, the more expensive life insurance is. So, some time back, I, bought, I saw a little cartoon in the paper that said, cardboard caskets, $2.50. I cut it out and put it on the refrigerator with a magnet. I said, now listen, Judith Mackey, if I die, don't spend all this life insurance on a bronze casket. I said, get me a cardboard one for $2.50. And I said, don't spend it on your next husband either. Really. I paid the premium, so don't let him get the benefit now. And I said, bury me in this gray suit with this, you know, with this gray tie and this wine-colored tie. And I said, and have brother so-and-so come and preach my funeral. I mean, I mean, I've been in this pulpit enough times. He should be able to say something nice about me, you know. All right. And I said, don't sing slow, sad, mournful songs at my funeral. Beyond the sunset. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's my funeral, right? And I said, close the lid of the cardboard casket. And I said, don't get me a black hearse. Get me a white Lincoln. I'm not going to have one when I live. I may as well get one when I die, you know? <laughs> Pull the Lincoln up to the church, open up the trunk, stick the casket in there, tie the trunk lid down. <laughs> We're going through town and the trunk and the casket's sitting out of the trunk. People are saying, saying, what's going on here? We're burying the son of a king today. Really? You mean Jonathan Mackey is a king's son? Yes, he is. Go to, the, go to the graveyard, take the casket out of the trunk, put it over the hole in the ground, and I refuse to have some long-faced, sad, apostolic preacher stand there with some dirt and go, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. I want someone to stand at my graveside and say, oh, death! Where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Because I have a lively hope. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you know what? One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. This corruption's going to put an incorruption. And those that were in the grave are going to hear his voice. Folks, that's not the end of Jonathan Mackey when you bury me. Because I've got a lively hope. Hallelujah. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know what the Bible says? If Jesus Christ was not risen from the dead of all men, we would be the most miserable. But not me. 
I mean, Obama's president and, and Hillary's on the horizon, but I've got hope. <laughs> Hallelujah! Iran's got the nuclear bomb. Amen. Putin's invading whatever, but I've got hope. Red China's got our, got our, I mean, Red China's got our, our secrets, you know, from our computers, but I've got hope. Listen, folks, there's no hope in this world. The only hope you've got is going to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And faith in his resurrection and what he has done for you. That's what the Bible says. Set your affections on things above. Let's say above. Above. No, 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 no. Not on things of the earth. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust and moth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. No rust, no moth, no thieves. And do you know, I know people, they have let the things of God go to reach for temporal things. And God just has a way of letting it to break in your fingers and fall to your feet. And God says, see, that is only temporal. What really counts is your relationship with God. I want everyone, one of you to know you can lose everything you have and still have everything when you have a relationship, amen, with God. A lively hope, a lively hope. Now let's look at the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know, the world has a slogan, you can't take it with you. And that's the truth. Go ask King Tut if he could take it with him. No. I don't know, there are probably three or four different questions I could ask with this message. What are you looking at? What do you see? What gets you excited? And where do you feel at home? All right. Now, let's look at, let's look at Revelation chapter 21 for a minute. And then we're going to come right back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Revelation chapter 21. To a lively hope. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city. Where are you going, Abram? I'm looking for a city that hath foundations. The great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. All right. It says on verse 12, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. Verse 13. All right. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. Verse 16, and he that talketh and the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length, the breadth, the height of it are equal. 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. Verse 18, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper. The city was pure gold. Know what else about the city? No tears. No pain, no night, no thieves, no rape, no cancer, no death. Really, no cancer. Someone says, I don't want to go to heaven. You don't see very good. I want to go to that place that God has prepared for me. Because if his resurrection, it's there. 
Hallelujah. I remember talking to a young man. He said, what are you going to do in heaven anyway? Just have a white robe and a halo and play a harp all day? It sounds boring to me. I said, no, it has not even entered into the heart of man, but God has prepared for those that love him. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to stay in the new earth, have a John Deere tractor and raise corn. I said, you want to stay in the new earth and raise corn? I want to walk streets of gold. He said, besides that, there's only 144,000 that are going to be saved anyway. I said, well, I'm going to be one of them then. <laughs> Folks, a lively hope. Folks, this city is not a fairy tale. It's what God has prepared for us. What are you looking at? What do you see? What gets you excited? Here's a man out on his bass boat with his fishing rod. love it so much they mount it stuff it and put it on the wall and dust it every two years <laughs> I've seen a 21 pound fish get a man get excited or a woman walks into an antique store <gasps> a George Washington rocker and it still has the straw stuffing be still my heart I've seen a 150-year-old chair get people excited. Do you know what should get the church excited? Streets of gold, gates of pearl. Hallelujah, no cemeteries and no pain and no death. Oh, I pray that there would be a lively hope in every soul in this building. Because it says in 1 Timothy, again, folks, we, can, we brought nothing in and we can carry nothing out. All right? That's why I have yet to see a hearse go to a graveyard with a four by six U-Haul trailer behind it. <laughs> What's in it? Well, his, his uh, fishing rods, his 21 pound fish, his stereo. Really, you can't take it with you. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Every time you rearrange your schedule to come to church, you're fighting the fight of faith. Every time you resist this world and get a hold of God, you're fighting the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. God is calling everyone in this building to repentance, to being washed in the blood through water baptism, to receiving the Holy Ghost. But he's calling you to one more thing. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called. Don't begin a relationship with God and then lose your inheritance. No, lay hold on eternal life. The literal Greek means with both hands, take this whole world. But give me Jesus.
Now, I have been at the Colosseum in Rome. It's amazing how here's, here's the cages with lions. Here's the Christians. They put a Christian family in front of the Caesar and say, deny Christ and live. Live? Yes, live. Here's the grandma, the grandpa, the son, the daughter-in-law, the little grandkids. How about you, old man? You're going to die anyway. I love Jesus. How about you, grandma? Jesus is my king. How about you, son? I love God. How about you, wife? I, I serve Jesus. Little boy, little girl, they're hanging under mom and dad. We love Jesus. They take six puny Christians, put them in the middle of an arena, and, and lions come and devour them as thousands of people cheer. How could they do it? They saw above the Colosseum. They saw above the Caesar. They saw him who is invisible. They said, feed my flesh to the lions, and I'm still going to hear a trumpet sound. I want you to know, folks, death is not the end. Death is the beginning of eternity. And we are living in an age where we have warped values, Parents give their kids college, but never give them church. And I'm not against college, but you got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Lay hold of eternal life. We are begotten again unto an inheritance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if he was still lying in a tomb, I couldn't even preach this message. But God wants to put a lively hope because you can lose everything and still have everything when you have Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and clap our hands for heaven, shall we? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I get concerned in my travels. You know, I've always heard Jesus is coming, but he hasn't come yet, but he's still coming, everybody. And sometimes the things of heaven and, and invisible things become hazy and foggy, and the things of this world are so crystal clear and always calling us and beckoning us. Do you know what's going to make, do you know what's going to make hell, hell? It's people are going to say, you mean I missed Eternal life for a little, for a half hour of sensual pleasure, of fornication. I mean, I missed heaven for this. I missed heaven for a little bit of high on drugs, a, a heaven for a can of beer, heaven for, for who knows what disobedience. That, that. But folks, in this building today, there's a lively hope here. Amen. And for every member of this church, listen, don't lose vision of the unseen we the church we do not look at things which are seen we the church look at things which are not seen not seen because the things you can see are only temporal but the things you cannot see really are eternal so don't lose grasp of that if there's a backslider in this building today I mean what a good day to get your priorities right again and focus on the unseen for every guest and visitor. I don't know what your background is, but I want you to know there is a heaven. There is a God who loves you. There is an inheritance. And God wants you to have a lively hope. Living, breathing, pulsating. Yes, because death is not the end. Death is the beginning 
of eternity. So we're going to close this Easter Sunday by coming and standing around this altar talking to the living, risen Savior. We're going to sing this this old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And I know some of you have ham dinners waiting, turkey reservations. But that ham's only temporal too, you know. It's just going to be gone. But I think it would be good to acknowledge a God today that has so many wonderful things prepared for us. Man, woman, guest visitor, young person, let's gather around this altar. And let's come in close and make room for everybody. Oh, turn your Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.